One of the things that 2020 has shown us is that um, everything that can be shaken will be shaken, right? Like it doesn't take much to shake this world. This world is on seeking sand, right? I mean, at the end of the day, who would ever have thought last January, February, March, that we would be, have been in a pandemic for nine, 10 months? Who would ever thought that there would be so much unrest and questions and heartache and pain? Who would have ever thought there'd be so much division? But what we do know is we know the end of the story, and that's what makes the difference. See, they say, I, I read a stat that said, it was a German stat, they said that 15, hour, 15 days without electricity, a society will begin to implode on itself. 15 days without electricity. Like, the, how temperamental our world is, is, is almost profound. And yet, we know the end of the story. So it makes a difference when we watch the play-by-play. So there's this new thing that came about 10, 15 years ago called TiVo. So us who go to church on Sunday and we want to know how our football team's doing, we would TiVo the game and then we'd go home and watch it, try not to hear who won. Sometimes we would hear who won. Your team won. We won. Awesome. So you watch the game knowing who won, but here's what I noticed. When you watch the game knowing your team won, you don't get freaked out about every fumble. When there's an interception, you're not like, wigged out and going, well, no way. You're not, you don't have the same anxiety because you know, in the end, we win. And that's kind of how we as believers are. We're, we're in this kind of peculiar place. We're watching this unfold and we're going, yeah, but we, we know how this, we know how this ends. We know how this ends. And so each fumble, each interception, every time that seems like we're going, going back a few yards, I just want to tell you, like, we win Christ is large and in charge. Amen? So let's say a prayer right where you are. Heavenly Father, we just invite you into this moment. We invite you into this first service. We invite you, Lord, to speak to our hearts, challenge us, prepare us, correct us, direct us through your word. Your word is holy. We honor you, God. We honor all of our family, one family, hundreds of locations, locally and globally, Lord. You're doing great and wonderful things. We honor you in the name of of Jesus. And everybody say, amen. All right, all right. Let me hand this off to you. Accidentally brought my phone and these pants aren't gonna hold up that phone the entire sermon. Hallelujah. So I wanna introduce to you a, a text in the Bible. I'm not gonna read it right away because I want, I want us, when we read the text, to understand the context of the text. And we're gonna be reading in just a few minutes out of the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter six, it's a warfare chapter. And if you just read it on its own, you can miss the light and the glory that's really in this passage. Now we have at the end of the book of the, at the end of the Bible, what is called the book of Revelation. But I like to call the book of Ephesus the book of Elevation. It is a book that has great width and height. It is a big and glorious book because it shows us the sovereignty, the glory of Christ and his reign and his church and how mystery has been revealed, the height, the depth. Christ is the head of all things, seated in heavenly places, that God has a 
plan. Christ has ascended above all the heavens that he might fill all things. There's the plan of God through Christ. God has a plan for you. The Bible says in Ephesians that we're we're God's masterpiece, that we were created the way we are based on the plan that he had for us from the beginning. So when we discover our shape, we discover our plan, that God made the man based on the plan and that there's greatness and there's depth. He said that our God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. It's a big book. It's a, it's a, it's a letter that, that has this huge scope that reminds us that we're a part of something really, really big. Uh, Ephesians 3 and 18 says this, may, may have power together with the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. To know this love that surpasses knowledge, which means your mind, your finite mind cannot comprehend the love of God. That's the, that's the kind of language in the book of Ephesians. So I challenge you to, to read Ephesians and realize like this is a book that's trying to take the lid off of every believer. It's trying to open our minds and our hearts to the truth of God's scope for us, the privileges that we have. So I like to say it like this, let's not live a low life if we have a high calling. And I think all of us sense in our internal compass that there is more. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is when Jesus is at the well with the lady and he says, you don't even know what I have for you. You, you don't even know who's standing in front of you. You have no clue what's about to happen in your life. I believe that 2021, this, this next season, is an opportunity and an invitation for elevation in our lives, spiritually, in prayer, in evangelism, in community. I believe even our impact, God wants to increase the scope. Now that may seem silly to say today when it feels like things are shutting down, getting smaller, getting tighter. But Jesus, through the word, in Ephesians says that we are, we are with him in heavenly places. In fact, the word heavenly places is used over and over in the book of Ephesians. And I'm getting, I'm getting somewhere, but I want you to hear this. It's one of those things that maybe 2,000 years ago would make no sense as you're reading it. Wait, we're here, but we're there. But I think Zoom has kind of answered that, right? That we kind of, technology has helped us to understand that I can be here physically. I can be in Santa Rosa, in my bedroom, in my little office in the corner, which keeps getting smaller as Heidi pushes my small little desk more and more into the corner and I'm Zooming and I can be at a board meeting in, in Columbus, Ohio making decisions that are impacting people and places and things and what he's saying is, is that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We're here but we're doing business there. There's a bigness to what we are and who we are and so what I love most about the book of Ephesians is that the book of Ephesians is not written to Timothy and Titus. It's not written to a bunch of preachers and apostles and, and, and those who would pass, you know, take on Paul's ministry in evangelism to the world. No, this is written to the church. This is bigness for the church. This is for everybody to understand the width, the breadth, the height, the length, the depth of what God has for you. Let's take the lid off and understand we're called to win. Now, Ephesians chapter 6 and 10 is where we're gonna, we're gonna end up here. 
the, a final word, he said, as he's closing up this, uh, this letter. He said, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor. Now, this is letting us know that there's some armor that's been given. Now, that doesn't mean you, you have it on, but it's, you have access to it. Put on all the armor. So it tells me a couple of things. It tells me that, that we, have, we have some armor that God wants to bring and give to us so we can function on this planet and win in every way. It tells me that I didn't create the armor. It comes from someone else, from somewhere else. It tells me that I've got to put it on. I've got to consciously decide to put on this armor. And it tells me also that you've got to put on all the armor, which means you can have some of the armor on and not all of the armor on. You ever met people who, who are really good in some areas but weak in their faith in other areas? We want to be fully fashioned, fully prepared for the battle that is ahead that we will be able to stand firm against all the strategies. Oh man, if you think the, if you think the enemy is just, just shooting blindly, he has strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in, dark, in, in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. There is a day of battle. There are days that are worse than others. There are days when strategies come and things compile and the enemy puts things together and you've been called in the immense glory of God to stand and to win. We have to win. Stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news of the gospel so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times, on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Now this can seem low if you haven't read the first five chapters of Ephesians. This is not, a, this is not something to debase us. This is something to remind us of our heavenly heritage and our heavenly privileges. That is what this passage is calling us to. We are called to win. So, we know we are in a battle. Can I get an amen? We are in a battle. And if you try to go neutral, you're gonna slide back. We're gonna, if you go neutral, it's not even. You're gonna, you're gonna go backwards. There is no neutral in the kingdom of God. So we're in a battle and he says, put on the whole armor of God. There's a gentleman some of you know about. His name was Jed Clampett. Let me tell you a story about a guy named Jed, right? He was 
a poor mountaineer who tried to keep his family fed. And one day he went out shooting for some food and out of the ground came a bubbling crude. Good job. We call it black gold, Texas tea, oil that is. So the next thing we know, oh, Jed's a millionaire. We'd probably say today a billionaire, right? So his folks said, Jed, you got to move away from there. California, Santa Rosa, California is the place you ought to be. Just kidding. So he packed his bags and moved to Beverly Hills, that is. Swimming pools and movie stars. The Beverly Hillbillies. There's two parts to the story of Jed Clampett. One is, he doesn't know what he has. That's, that's basically the first 60 seconds of the show. The song. Doesn't know what he has. And then one day, he discovers there's oil. There's money. Now, the rest of the seasons, all the sitcoms are him trying to figure out how to use what he has. How to live this breath and this width and this, this scope, this new scope. So now you have hillbillies living in Beverly Hills trying to live in the scope of what they have discovered that they have. That's the book of Ephesians. It is, you have a lot. You got to discover it. You have these weapons. You have this armor. Now we as believers have got to learn how to use what God has given us. So here's the question. Do you know what you have and you know how to use it? I remember when I first started, I played football one season. There was a reason I played one season. When I joined the football team as a freshman, I was issued equipment. I didn't know all the pieces and the straps and how long it would take. It was harder than putting uh, ice skating shoes on, which is very hard. Anybody know how hard it is to put ice skating shoes on? There's nothing more painful. But I guess there is because football equipment is painful and there's straps and there's things and there's pads everywhere. And they, but what I didn't know was how to use it. And I found a friend who was also running for linebacker who knew how to use his equipment, who knew how to throw his head into your stomach and make you sick. And my football career was over. I know I look like a football player, but it wasn't in my heart. Amen. <clears throat> there are pieces and equipment that we have to, as believers, learn how to utilize so we can win. The first one is, I'm going to start from the head down, is the helmet of salvation. Now, I know this is, uh, this is quite the help. We, went, we were extravagant in, in, in putting this together. What was interesting this morning as I was reading the warning, there's actually a warning inside this helmet. It says, um, this toy does not provide protection and is not a safety protected device. Just in case anyone was gonna wear this on the construction site, all right? So it does say that this is for those three years and older. So I'm older than three years old, so I can wear this. So the helmet of salvation, you gotta put on the helmet of salvation. Now I know there's probably some memes that are gonna come out of this. Please don't take any pictures. Please don't screenshot, all right? It's the best I can do without it falling off. The helmet of salvation. So what's the point of the helmet of salvation? Wouldn't salvation maybe be like the breastplate of salvation? Why is the salvation helmet something that we've got to put on? It's because one, God wants us to think saved. 
He wants you to think like a saved person. When the enemy comes to tempt us, you know how he tempts us? He tempts us with conversations, with questions. Did God really say? Did God really say? Did God really? Did God, were you, Eve, were you there? And all of a sudden, the framework, this is, there's a battle for the mind. I don't know if you sense it, but I sense it. I don't know if you've had some doubt or some, some things that have hit you and you're like, okay, I got to put on the helmet. I got to protect my mind because there's an enemy that's trying to get to my mind. And I've got to rehearse and I've got to know. And here's what I know about a lot of believers. I'm not talking about those watching. I'm just talking about some believers. Don't get offended. I'm talking about people who really don't know the science, the width, the breadth of the goodness of God, what he brought you out of, what he brought you into, out of darkness. Like, we have to rehearse that, put that back on every day. God is, I'm saved. I'm washed. I'm forgiven. Like, say it. Put it back on. I'm forgiven. Like when the enemy comes and thoughts run through your mind and you read the news or you read this post or you read this blog and all of a sudden you start to, just remember, I'm forgiven. I was, in, I was in darkness, I was lost, and now I'm free. Amen. We gotta remember, we're, we gotta think saved. And let me just say this, like the, one of the reasons we're doing the, the Bible reading app, the, the uh, Bible project, through the version app, because we need to know the science of what Christ did. We need to know God's word. We need our mind to be filled with God's word. I want God's word to be running through my mind, the synaptic nerves nerves firing all the the word of God. The word that created the world is now running through my brain, running through my mind. Because what the brain is to the body, the mind is to the soul. I need to get it from brain to mind to heart. Amen? We gotta think saved. Amen? The next thing is the breastplate of righteousness. If this thing explodes, it's not on me. The breastplate of righteousness. It's not a bad look. It's not a bad look. In 19... In 1983, growing up in Houston, I was involved in my first hurricane. It's Hurricane Elijah, big one. I remember, and the reason this came up is because when we were home, uh, my daughter slept in my, just because there's no room, she slept in a, in a pull-away bed in my parents' bathroom closet. It was nice, but it was sleeping in the bathroom closet. And it reminded me, I remember three years old, Charity was just born. I, was, I, I don't have a lot of memories from three, but I remember the hurricane. And I remember the pallet we put out and slept in the bathroom. I don't know why they thought the bathroom was the safest. They could roll us into the bath and maybe that was the safest place. And, and, but, but we slept as a family, my father, my mother, myself, and baby Charity in the bathroom on the floor, that's when they had carpet everywhere. Even the carpet moved into where the toilet is back in the 80s. Remember how dysfunctional the 80s was? We slept in the bathroom, okay? And we were, we were talking about it. And what I remember is that hurricane came through and devastated Houston. But what devastated Houston even more than the, than the, the August 1983 Elijah hurricane was the December freeze. Yeah. 
It did more damage to Houston. It was a 10-day freeze that happened over Christmas. Below 15 degrees. That's not normal for Houston. It was 10 straight days. People were on vacation. Well, guess what was happening? Their pipes were bursting. Wasn't built for it. It wasn't the storm on the outside. It was the stuff on the inside that was breaking. And there's some vital organs that we have to protect. There's the heart, the soul. This is where a teachable spirit lies. This is where motives lie. This is where an offended spirit gets. If it can get past the shield, if you have nothing to block, you can get that offended spirit. There's people, there's good Christians right now who are walking around with offenses because they've exposed themselves. And I want to just tell you, like, this is the, the area of motive. And so when we disciple people, we're trying to help people understand their salvation, have Bible knowledge. We also are going to look at the heart. We're going to look at their motives. We're going to look at what are you made of? Why are you doing what you're doing? What's inside of you? What brokenness is there? Because God wants to regenerate it. He wants to heal it. And he wants to protect that inward world. How's your inward world? How's your inside world? We fall internally before we fall externally. Got to guard this area. I'm gonna move along quickly. The belt of truth. The belt of truth. Now, this belt of truth. Now, I think everybody knows this is not mine. I had to borrow it from somebody. But what is the belt of truth? Well, the belt of truth, there's two types of belt of truth. In the natural, there is the after Thanksgiving, after Christmas, after New Year's belt of truth to see if your belt even fits anymore. Or what hole you're gonna be plugging that that belt into. It's the belt of truth. Or the, the hole of shame is the one that doesn't exist and you gotta get an ice pick and create a new hole. Can I get an amen from anybody who knows the suffering and the struggle is real sometimes, all right? But the belt of truth is really interesting because what is truth? Truth is not facts. I mean, truth has facts. You know, someone says, I, I have a headache. I'm gonna take ibuprofen. It's true, I have a headache. Uh, but, but it's just based on a fact. But they go to the doctor and the doctor does, uh, you know, looks, look, you know does, scans the brain and goes, oh, you have a tumor. A CAT scan, we get a tu- there's a tumor there. Now we have the truth of why that fact was there. Truth is different than just facts. And there's people who are living based on facts or feelings, but not truth. Truth is something that's absolute, in fact, the truth, the definition of truth is an absolute standard by which reality is measured. See, when you don't have truth in your life, when you have no absolutes, your tunic, the, the soldiers, their tunic would, would fly around and if they're in battle in the brush, their clothing would get stuck. They would get stuck and snagged on stuff. So the, one of the purposes of the belt was to pull yourself in, to pull everything together. The breastplate connected, everything connected. Your sword and your shield could connect to the belt. It pulled everything together. It allows me to, to operate as me. And what is the truth that we're talking about? In Ephesians, it's the truth about you. It's living based on the truth. Pull your life in and live based on the truth of what God says about you. Not what the world says about you. You know how much data is just being pumped into your mind, into your heart, into your reality, trying to make you believe something about yourself that's not true? You're not going to win in battle. 
if you're believing something false about yourself, even if it's cute, even if it's nice. And it's not just hearing the truth, it's knowing the truth. I have to know the truth. When those who know the truth, it makes them free. See, we're truthful people. We want feedback. We want God to examine our hearts. I want to know who I am. I want to know my shape, my design, my, the grace that's on my life. I don't want to live based on your truth. I want to live on my truth, the truth that God has called me. There's some things that God said to you that are yours. They don't belong to me. They belong to you. Have you, see, the Bible says make your calling and election sure. I want to live based on that reality. You know, there's a, there's a movie called Inception. And it was a dream within a dream. And the guy would go into a dream and he would not know what reality was. But he had this little top. It was a standard by which he could know, is this me or is this real? And what is the standard by which we know what is real and what is not real? In a world where there is so much bad information where it's so easy to rabbit trail into the silo of your own ideas through YouTube and social media. What is real? And I'll tell you, if we're gonna, we're gonna win spiritually, we are gonna have to know the truth. The truth of Christ, his reign, and the cr- truth that we are sitting with Christ in heavenly places. That our identity is not this or that, them or us. In fact, in the book of Ephesians, he says, there's no more Jews and Gentiles. That wall has been broken down. He has put in himself one body. There are certain identities that are lost. You have a new truth of who you are. You are Christ's. The truth. So I'm going to try to put this on. Things are getting warm and tight. The Emancipation Proclamation was signed by Abraham Lincoln January 1863. But the slaves in Texas did not know about it, were not told about it, until June 19th, 1865, a year and a half later. There was a truth, but they did not know it. They were not told it. And I want to tell you, there's some truths about your emancipation, your victory, your freedom, that you are going to have to fight for, find own, possess, amen. We are his masterpiece. Shoes shod with the gospel of peace. Now, I'm not taking these shoes off and putting other shoes on. So you're just gonna have to imagine that someone's handing me shoes and I'm putting them on. Done, all right. One of the things that made the Roman army so good was that they were great marchers. It's one of the things that made Rome great for like over 500 years in battle. They could march. They could outmarch you. In fact, they had to be able to march 22 miles in less than six hours to be in the army, carrying 60 to 100 pounds on them in some form or fashion. And how do they do it? They had shoes with spikes. Good footing. Good footing. Peace. See, when you have good footing, you have peace. Unshakable peace. And where is the greatest peace found? It's found in the mission of the gospel. Can I tell you where the greatest grace will be on your life? It's gonna be in motion. 
movement. Shoes are made for movement. See, if you're a, a lethargic Christian sitting on the sidelines, waiting for the coming of Jesus, sipping your virgin pina colada, saying, I'm saved and all is good, a little bit of grace. Just enough grace to get you out of here. But there's great grace and great peace with those who walk in his purposes and mission. I'll never forget, we were on an airplane. I've had like three close calls on airplanes. And uh, one of them, I was sitting next to a family and uh, we were startled because the plane was going up and down. It was crazy. And I looked at the family and I said, it's okay, it's okay. They were going, ah. And I said, it's okay. God has promises that he's promised me and they haven't come to pass yet so we can't die. And they looked at me and they were like, ah. It like freaked them out more. They didn't know what to think of that. But when your life has mission and purpose, there's peace that comes. They were asked, they asked, they asked two painters, they said, we want you to draw peace. So one guy draws a grassy knoll with a, a little brook that was calm, with a sunset, birds chirping, peace. Some sheep, pasture. And another guy draws a storm, torrential storm. There's lightning, there's wind. But in the corner on a rock is a little bird and he's singing. He's got, you can, you, can, you can see the notes coming out of his mouth and there's this little light hitting him through the storm, a little light coming through. And he said, that's peace. It's, it's what you are when everything is wrong, not when everything is right. That's peace. You can have peace. And here's the deal. No matter what life is bringing us, church, we can have peace peace. Don't lose your peace. There's people right now who are freaking out, losing their peace. Your peace is not in this world. It's in the gospel. Motion detection. I I don't know how we got it, but here at the church, we have motion detection. There's no switches in our restrooms. So all you got to do is walk in. First time I didn't know, thought somebody turned the light on it. Oh no, we got, oh, that's cool. I don't even know where the motion detector is. I don't, know, I don't know where it is. Maybe it's hidden somewhere. Walk in. And I really believe there's things that turn on in the kingdom when there's motion. God is not the God of the no. He's the God of the go. Well, I don't know if I should go teach that. But I don't know if I should. Let me just tell you. He said go a long time. Go into all the world. Go into all the world. Go into all the world. He's a green light kind of God. He will stop you if he needs you to stop. But I'm going to tell you this. There's a grace in the go. Now, Now we have the shield and the sword. The sword and the shield. Now these two are learned. Let me take the sword. These two are learned. These are skills. So we understand the Bible. We are searching hard. We're letting being part of a church family and leadership and discerning hearts and motives. We're discovering who we are, our shape, well-rounded, out of shape, Whatever it may be, discovering who we are in Christ. Shoes, we're missional, we're doing, we're going, we're not sitting. But then he says, we got the sword and we got the shield. These are, no, these are not just things you wear. These are things that you have to learn how to do. So I was reading a book. Adam Peacock recommended it a month ago. So I said, I'll give it a whirl. Turned out to be one of the best books I read in 2020. In the second to last chapter of the book, It talks about the D.A.R.E. program. Remember D.A.R.E.? D.A.R.E. to keep kids off drugs? 
And so after 35 years of this program, not to disparage those who worked on it, you know, police officers coming in and saying, look, if you do drugs, it's gonna be bad. You go to jail. You'll look like this person. Picture, ah, it's information. <laughs> they found it did virtually nothing to keep kids from doing drugs. So they started another program about eight years ago. And what they did was they said, we're going to give you a script and you're gonna learn how to say no. We're gonna have people come in and ask you, do you wanna take these drugs? Do you wanna go to this place and meet and we'll do drugs together? And they practiced their courage. It wasn't just, I know it's bad for me. It was actually learning. Does that look right? I don't know. This thing is sharp. Warning. This toy does not provide protection. It's not a safety protection device. All right. The sword of the word of God. How to use this. Can we make 2021 the year that we stop looking at it? And start using it? Every person in this church has the capacity to share God's love through sharing your story. One minute where I was, one minute how he found me, one minute of what life is like walking with Christ in victory. That's your story. Every one of us can share the Roman road. Every one of us can share the the gospel in some form or fashion. Like we've got to learn how to use the Bible. When Jesus was tempted, you know what his choice weapon was? It wasn't prayer against the devil. He didn't go into a a tongue prayer. Nothing wrong with that. He used the word of God to fight the enemy. It is the offense of our posture. We have to know this. And again, I'm not trying to belabor the point just giving you information. What I'm saying is, is like everything we do is about helping us understand our salvation, knowing it, walking in it, protecting our heart, knowing who we are, our shape, our design, how we're made, how we're wired. Some people are wired. They walk into a room, they see crooked crooked chairs, they want to straighten them. Some people walk into a room, same room, and they see one person sitting alone. They don't care about the crooked chairs. They see the one person, they want to go talk to them and sit with them and see how they're doing. We're all wired different. How are you wired? You're designed based on God's plan. The shoes, we got to create motion. If it's, if it's saying hello at the front door or if it's, if it's uh, making phone calls or if it's, if it's cooking meals and sending to people in need or if it's doing a, 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 helping with the food pantry, whatever, I just got to motion. We don't find our calling and election and grace and peace by sitting. We have to move. You can't steer a parked car. And then we've got to get good with the word. Let this be the year that you preach your first sermon. Let this be the year that you teach your first Bible study. Well, I don't know how I can teach it to. Teach it to yourself. Teach it to your best friend. Teach it to your spouse. Get them saved again. Let them tell you what a, what a confusing job you did and then work on it again. Don't just know I should be doing it. Create the steps to do it. I would love to see an army of Bible teachers. Paul said to him, he said, look, by this time you ought to be teaching. You're still just drawing from the milk. 
you're complaining, you're doing a lot of talking, but you're not teaching. And there's a difference. Well, you post, oh, that's so good. You posted a scripture on Facebook. You are so holy. You've just saved the whole world. You got to draw that sword out. And we got to start practicing. This is a year where we're going to get creative on how to reach people. This is the year that you may be on the phone tree when they call and they say, I don't have answers for this and I'm in pain. And you're like, I, 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 you're gonna be ready to say, here's what the Lord is saying. Here's what the scripture says. Here's what I know about the goodness of the Lord. I gotta know it. My kids have gotta know it. We've bought calendars. We're like, we've, we've, we've done a, we've, we've done a B, B minus. I'm confessing. This year we're doing an A. I don't care if the whole world goes to hell. My kids have got to be saved. They got to know God's word. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna talk about it. We're going to share it. We're going we're gonna to walk through apologetics. We're going to walk through all the conversations and confusions that, that they have around anything. We're going to talk about it and then talk about it again. And then I'm going to have them talk to me about it. Because we're just ready. Like we got to be fully armed. Amen? And then we got to have the shield of faith. This is getting tighter as each. Faith. It's not the biggest shield. Warning. This toy does not provide protection and is not a safety protected device. All right. The shield of faith. The Bible says that the enemy sends darts. But not just any darts, but darts dipped in oil that have fire. This is a tactic of the enemy. Back in the days of Paul, the days of Rome. Why would you do this? You would do this because it's hard to fight a fire and your enemy. That's the point. It's really hard to put out a fire in, in the village and also at the same time fight your enemy. So they would shoot fire. It's not going to really kill you. It's just going to distract you. So the shield is what blocks and protects. And I don't want to go into how they would coat the shield and they would get that sword and they would break those arrows off. But the point is, is that the enemy wants to distract. These arrows are distracting. You're putting out fires when the real enemy's right in front of you. Now, the one thing that is exposed in this armor is my back. There's nothing covering my back. Why? Because the kingdom is never in retreat. The kingdom is always marching forward. There's no retreat. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. We're not fighting for peace. We're fighting from peace. And in the book of Ephesians, it's already established that. We're already with Christ. This isn't earning it. We're, this is the skill. This is taking on so we can move the kingdom forward and stand when the enemy comes. We're not, we're not retreating. I want you to say it, wherever you are, I'm not retreating. I'm not turning and running the opposite way. Now here's what I love. In Ecclesiastes, 
It says this. Captain, I didn't know you were here. It says this, watch this. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. You weren't called to do this alone. Let me just tell you this. There's one thing worse than fighting without armor, and that's fighting alone. And there are too many Christians who are fighting alone. There's too many people that are fighting by themselves. I want to just tell you that God has called us to fight together. Why? Because our shields together, our faith together is greater than our faith alone. Thank you, bro. We got some more shields coming out. Now I'm gonna be honest with you. These were made last night by Jude and Boston. Thank you, Home Depot, Jude and Boston for making this possible. This is probably a little smaller than an actual Roman shield. The shield is actually something very large. And so what would happen is, is when you fought, the Romans would put their shields side by side. It's not just your faith, it's our faith. It's not just your battle, it's all of our battle. See, in the analogy that Paul is sharing with us, he's referencing a time and space and place that makes sense to those who are reading Bible, writing theology in that time. But to us, we see a night shield. But this is what the shield would look like, probably about two feet taller. And so they would come together. And this is why the Romans were so good. They had what was called a testudo. Let's do the testudo. Let's see how we got it. Ready? Boom. Testudo. Look at these guys. Look at this. This is how they fought. It wasn't sword fighting. It wasn't like, Anigamatoya, you killed my father. Prepare to die. Some beautiful fencing. That's not what this was. This is how they marched forward. They marched forward with their faith forward. Their faith connected. And that's why 2021, we got to get creative. We got to do it however we got to do it. But we got to connect our faith. And again, we've been talking about with the team, if, if that means putting up a tent and having coffee on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whoever wants to come, put a mask on, we're okay. We gotta know you, we gotta see you. We're gonna go on hikes together. We're gonna do book clubs together. We're gonna do whatever it takes because the way this was designed was not for me to fight alone. We have to be connected. And when we're connected, we're a force we reckon with. And too many Christians in our history have tried to fight alone and have lost or come out wounded. This is the season. We're going gangbusters. We're calling the church up. We're sitting with Christ in heavenly places. The church is glorious. God is doing his work through Christ 
in the church, ruling and reigning. And one day, how he's working in the church, he's going to rule over the whole earth and heaven and earth will be one. Can I just tell you, this is all dress rehearsal for what heaven's going to be like. It's one. I heard a voice, but it was many voices. It became one sound, an army crying out. Can I just tell you, like 2021, we win if we do it together. We win if we put our faith in front of us. We win if we start learning how to use our Bible the right way. We win if we start, keep remembering we're safe. Think safe, think safe. We win when we protect our hearts. We keep a teachable spirit. We keep a humble spirit. I don't wanna know your politics. I don't, know, I don't, I don't wanna know your allergies. I just wanna know, are you teachable? Are you humble? Are you, are you prayerful? Are your knees on the ground? Are you hearing from God? That's what I care about. I wanna know, how's your heart? Is it corrupted? Do you, have, do, do you have the leaven of the Pharisees, the leaven of the Sadducees? Have you got the leaven inside of you? Or have you purged your heart with the word of God and said, Lord, cleanse me. I want to protect this part of me. That's how we win. And we win together. We win together. Right where you are, would you bow your, eyes, bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to pray for all of us. Thank you guys for our Roman army. Twenty, twenty, one. Twenty, twenty, one. I'm not trying to promote some cute, pithy idea to give you four steps to becoming a better you. I just want to offer you what heaven has already paid for. Heaven says this is how we win. And this is how we win. The last part of that verse, he says, and praying continually. See, when you're set up, what they would do is prayer, when they got all their armor on, together, that testudo, push, and they push forward. Push, and they push forward. A wall of faith. A wall of shields. Push, push forward. And when we pray, and when we fast, and we're fully armed, can I just tell you, we can take ground. And I'm not talking about just taking ground in our city and county. I'm talking about taking ground in our homes. I got your back. You got my back. Let's have each other's back. A revival. One of my favorite memories of my home, the home we live in now, is when our son Joshua came running downstairs and said, Dad, I, it's just tears. In my bed, I was praying, worshiping, and while I was praying, God filled me with the Holy Spirit. I began to speak words I've never heard before. I feel clean and washed. And like, why does that have to be rare? Dad, I'm getting it. Jude, the other day, Dad, let me tell you the story in the Bible. Yeah, come on. Oh man, the coolest thing. And you do the story in the sand, and he's telling, and it's like alive in him. Yes. 
Faith forward, push, push. That's what we are. We're an army, not an audience. We're an army. And we're moving forward by faith. Push. And in everything, prayer in the spirit. Everything, prayer in the spirit. Let's not underestimate the power of what 21 days of prayer and fasting can do. We have resources for you online. We have things, Daniel's fast, Jews fast, all, all the things you need. We can answer questions, we can help. But prayer is not some cute commodity. It is a necessity in this hour to stand. When you've done all to stand, stand. So Heavenly Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we call down heaven. We are seated with you in heavenly places. Heaven Zoom, somehow physically here, spiritually there. And we're, we're calling heaven down into every home, into every heart. New hearts, new, new lives, new ways of thinking. Change us, prepare us, Lord. Let us think like you and act like you and love what you love and hate what you hate. Let us desire what, what you're passionate about. Put the fire back in our bosom, in our soul, in our hearts again, Lord. Don't let us just wander through this land aimless and empty. But Lord, let us persevere, push through, break through. This is the season. This is the time. This is our day. The best is yet to come. Why? Because Christ reigns in the heavens and we reign with him. We are a part of the Lord's army. If you're here, if you're watching and you want to be a part of the Lord's army, all you got to do is cry out to Jesus, confess your sins, make him Lord. Jesus, forgive us of our sins. We've been born in sin, shaped in iniquity. We're broken. But just like you did for that lost coin, you picked it up. Just like you did for that lost sheep, you picked it up. Elevation. Ephesians, you're lifting us up like that prodigal, putting clothes back on us, bringing us back to our status as a son, not a slave, not a servant. Elevation. God wants to elevate you today. He wants to call you up, not down, not push you down. The world's dragging us down. God's calling us up, up to bigness, up to richness, up to purity, up to righteousness. Lord, we receive it. We receive your mercy, your grace. We will never ever be the same in Jesus name and our entire family wherever you are say amen and amen